Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 218, brought to you by Hook'em.com and our good friends at Bud Light. Drink them if you got them. Cedric Golden here with Kirk Bowles and Duck. Wow. We landed a big fish. He's looking good. But thank God it's a, it's an audio show and not video. Chris Beard, the new basketball coach at the University of Texas, joins us on our podcast. Coach, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, but I share your view that uh, I'm glad it's audio. I'm <laughs> I've got these bags under my eyes. Not not my best look. Still, the, you- st- still the best looking guy on this screen. I'm sad to say, very sad to <laughs> say. What, what are you talking about, bags under your eyes? You got to get a good two, three hours sleep a night, don't you? Uh, yes, sir. Two to three hours. That is accurate. Uh, no, it's a lot of fun. You, uh, we're going 100 miles an hour. It's like I told the coaches yesterday. We kind of meet in the morning. We all work extremely hard during the day. Then we meet back late at night. And last night, my last comment was. And I, I know we had a productive day, but I'm not sure what we got done. So <laughs> just do these days where you, you feel like you're being productive, but then you try to measure the success at the end. What are the emotions like? You take this new job and you're basically almost building a team from scratch. It seems like <clears throat> you've never had that experience before at all your stops. Have you? Actually I have, which I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but um <laughs> You know, growing up, coaching at different levels, small college and junior college, rosters change not only from season to season, but sometimes even semester to semester. So um, this is not out of my comfort zone. It's challenging. Uh, It's a little bit scary. You know, somebody said the other day there's X amount of days until the first game of the next college basketball season. That one made us all kind of take a deep breath. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think what's important, we all feel the urgency – uh, to get things done quickly. But I think what's more important is to get things done correctly. Um, so we're going fast. We're trying to get things done, but we're trying to get things done right. Uh, and I think we're off to a good start. You know, every guy on the roster right now, uh, both returners and recruits, we feel really good about. Well, for our seven listeners out there, we're going to update them. Um, Jace Febris will be back. Andrew Jones, a.k.a. AJ1, will be back. Brock Cunningham, the enforcer, is back. Uh, the newcomers are Jalen Thomas, a 664 from Plano, John Paul II. Tyson, Jalen Tyson. Jalen Tyson, I put Thomas. Um, I, I love private school guys. Uh, I'm a private school guy. Devin Askew, the Kentucky point guard, Timmy Allen. All Pac-12 first team from Utah transfers in. Christian Bishop, a 6'7 slasher, is coming in from Creighton. 
Uh, also courted by Kansas and North Carolina. Well, I like that. Now, what, what these people want to know is what of Greg Brown, what of Jericho Sims, what of Matt Coleman, and what of Courtney Ramey? What can you tell us about those guys? Yeah, I, I love to talk about those guys. You know, first of all, I, I can't say this any, uh, any more accurately, firm, clear. Every player on this roster um, has been great. Uh, the communication has been consistent. Uh, been a lot of respect both ways. We obviously have a lot of respect for these players, uh, you know, competing against them so many times over the years. Um, and so, including Shaka, Shaka's been great uh, in, the, in this transition. Wish him the best at his new opportunity, but he's been nothing short of just first class to us over the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't want to speak for each player, but what I can accurately say is each guy is kind of going through their own process. Um, and we're trying to assist in any way we can. It's never been my objective when taking a job, like, hey, I want to keep this guy or I don't want to keep that guy. It doesn't work like that. Uh, to me, it's all about relationships and fit. And our objective is for each individual player to make the best decision for them while we try to make the best decision for our organization, the team moving forward. So obviously a couple of those guys you just mentioned are going through the NBA process. Uh, now, this thing is all kind of jacked up right now because of COVID and the NBA playing late. So there's different dates and what have you. So um, my thing is we're just continuing to communicate with all these players. The other thing is there's a big academic piece right now. Um, you know, like Matt's got a chance to graduate right now with his undergrad from Texas. So um, I know it's very, very important to figure out what each guy is doing basketball-wise. But even more important to me right now is to make sure these guys finish up academically. Then they're in a great position no matter what they choose. Um, my personal preference, you know, I'd love to coach more of those guys. Um, they're all welcome here. Um, but more important than our own kind of selfishness would be for them to make their, their best decision for their future. You're very big in the portal, the same as you were at Texas Tech. I mean, you get guys like Tariq Owens from St. John's, Matt Mooney, you know, from South Dakota, you had players from France, Italy, Russia, you name it. Uh, uh, is there no spot on the globe that you won't go to uh, to look for players? And can you explain that philosophy a little bit, Chris? Yeah, you know, it used to be we're going to keep the best players from our state or our country, uh, <laughs> but now it's it's world. I mean, uh, this is at the top of the list of the reasons why I'm back in Texas. Uh, this is Texas. Um it's, it's not arrogance. It's, uh, it's the facts. This is one of the best academic institutions in the world. It's the best fan base uh, in college athletics, in my opinion, um, from facilities to resources. I mean, this is Texas. So we, we're not going to apologize for it. We're going to recruit the best players in the world. Now, certainly it starts right here, not only in our state, but in Austin itself. Um, you know, blessed to have Brock on the team. Um, and and we, I think there's players in Austin, Texas every year that can help us win the Big 12. But we start in Austin and we just take the needle out. Um, and it doesn't stop at the United States borders. You know, it goes worldwide now. So I look forward to a day where we have a, a roster that has all sorts of variety and diversity on it, um, where we have some international players. Because to me, that's imperative. If you're going to win that last game on Monday night, you know, you better have the best players in the world, not the country. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about your coaching staff. Uh, very rarely do, do coaches leave, leave Division I jobs as head coaches to come back to be assistants. Chris Ogden, Augie, we call him, leaves UT Arlington. Rodney Terry leaves UTEP. 
both former Rick Barnes assistants. Jarrett Howard is a big hire, Bill Self's top recruiter, uh, knows these Texas streets, worked at SMU with Larry Brown, worked for Billy Gillespie at A&M, and Yurik Malugi, did I say it right? Uh, your, your assistant coach for two years. So uh, could you break down those guys and what they're going to bring to your table? Yeah, I've, I've had a friendship with Yurik for almost 30 years, and I, I still stay away from the last name. I just I just call him Yurik. Um, no, I'm, uh, you know, beyond blessed and beyond excited for this staff. I think um, it's really the foundation of what we're doing. You know, you know make no uh, mistake about it, college basketball is about players. None of us coaches will score a basket or grab a rebound this year, but I think this coaching staff is going to give us a chance to compete at the highest level. Um, what's special about it is not only the individual talent, uh, but it's also how we fit. To me, it's very similar in building a team. Um, you can go out and get 12 five-star players, and that sounds great in, in, in the Monday morning article, but that doesn't necessarily translate to winning championships because that talent has to play together. And that's what I'm most excited about with our coaching staff. We obviously have talent, experience, um, but there's no ego in this group. Um, you know, every once in a while, Augie gets a little bit of ego, um, and then and then we just bouncing back into play. But um, no, this is a special group, and you know, I know in athletics, you know, family on three, one, two, three, family. I've always caught that thought that's a little overrated, um, but this really is a family. Um, and to take this journey with these guys, you know, we all left a lot to come here, including myself, uh, Jarrett's RT. Um, you verbalized it perfectly. And I think um, the exciting thing is we're all on the same page. You know, we, we didn't come here to finish second. Um, we didn't come here to sell out some games. Uh, we came here to do something special, and that's our objective. And did they have to sell you on this job? You had a, a cushy spot at Texas Tech. You came within an overtime, beating Virginia, win the national title. You've been to the Elite Eight. What were one of the two of the concerns that maybe Chris Conte had to sell you on? Was it the passionate fan base that maybe hasn't been tapped into? Was it access to the Moody Center? What were a couple of the big issues for you, Chris? There was no real uh, issues or challenges. It's just, to me, it's all about expectations. You know, I think is the most powerful word in the dictionary, especially when it comes to uh, to athletics. You know, it's like um, – working with, with uh, one of our players yesterday on shooting. And, you know, if, if the expectations is 50%, then that's probably what you're going to get. If the expectations is 70 or 80%, then, you know, you, you look up and you, you were at 60. Um, and and, it, and it, it's all about expectations. Like I told the players meeting number one, we didn't come here to make the tournament. We came here to uh, win the tournament. We didn't come here to play in the Monday night game. We came here to, to win the Monday night game. Um, and we're not recruiting you to become an NBA player. We're recruiting you to be a first-round pick and to stay in the NBA. So, to me, expectations is everything. Um, my first meeting with CDC, it was obvious that we were on the same page there. Um, now, look, it's easy to talk about these things. and It's very difficult to get them done. Um, but the next part of my process, you know, decision-making was I love challenges. Um, I didn't get into this years ago to be comfortable. I love being uncomfortable. I love being pushed. And I love being in a, in a situation where I can push people around me. So um, we understand that this is Texas. 
And uh, we, that's why we're here. We, we're, we're not afraid of it. Um, that's why I tell players every time on the first recruiting call, look, everyone can't play in Texas. This is a different stage. It's a different expectation. And that's what the great ones are looking for. Speaking of greats, you, play, you, you coach for some greats. You coach with Bob Knight. You coach with Rick Barnes. Um, what kind of lessons did you take from them in, in, in your form, formulating your, your coaching culture, your coaching philosophy? How big an influence were those guys on you? Yeah, I'm really proud of my coaching path. I think any coach would tell you the same thing. But for me, um, maybe even a little bit more so, I just – I've been blessed to have a relationship with all the people I played for and worked for. Uh, and really our philosophy and our system highlights a lot of people, you know, starting with coach Penders um, and Vic and EO and those guys back in the day, they gave me an opportunity that I didn't deserve at the time. Um, and I always told those guys, I'll make you proud one day by, um, by the way our teams play and act and graduating our players and doing things the right way. So um, my relationship with those guys, Coach Penders included, is just special. Um, a lot of the things from those days, just that confidence, uh, that swag. You know, I, I never took the floor with Coach Penders thinking we weren't about to win the game, whether that was the North Carolina battles back in the day when we were in the Southwest Conference and most people didn't think we could win those games. You know, walking out on that court uh, with Coach P and EO and Vic and those guys, I just had a confidence at a young age, like, you know, hey, we're Texas, we're going to win this game. Um, then along the way, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to be associated with Coach Knight and Pat. Um, just the idea of all the success that Coach had over many different years in different schools, West Point to Indiana, and then most recently at Texas Tech speaks for itself. Um, you know, and then in my recent years, just um, all the great players and coaches I've been able to work with. Uh, I wouldn't trade my path for any, any, uh, any other path. I'm just kind of proud of how – that we've grown up in coaching. Chris, your, your 2019 team came within overtime winning the national championship. You know, that team scored in the seventies. You had more than seven threes a game, but your reputation as much as a defensive firebrand and how gutsy and, and how tough you guys are to score in the paint, but people aren't going to expect y'all to win 40 to 38. You're not looking for those kind of games. Are you? No, we, uh, we got a lot of uh, attention recently, you know, with our defense. Uh, but the truth is we've always guarded uh, from Fort Scott to Seminole to McMurray to Angelo State to South Carolina to Little Rock. You know, we to, to me it's a non-negotiable. Now, defense will come in different fashions and forms. Some years it might be a pressing shot-blocking team. Other years it might be a very controlled gap, uh, mistake-free defensive goal team. So, um, you know, obviously what we prefer is to be athletic and very talented. Um, and we're confident we can get there on year one uh, with this year. Obviously, the portal and the talent of this coaching staff, uh, we're confident we're going to be more than relative year one. Um, but the other side of the coin, we've always been one of the top scoring teams in our league um, everywhere we've coached. We like to score with balance. You know, it starts with defense. I don't think you can compete for a championship unless you manufacture a certain percentage of your offense from your defense. So that's kind of where it all starts for us. Um, you know, three-point shootings become such a big part of college basketball. It's it's one of the top things we look for um, in recruiting. Not only guys that are proven three-point shooters, but guys that we think we can develop into three-point shooters. Uh, and that's why we're, you know, very proud of the recruiting class we're putting together right now because we see ceiling for these guys. Not only how – 
our players have played in the past, but where we think we can get them. Um, but we need to we need to be in the top, you know, three or four in the Big Twelve in both categories to win the championship. Well, the last one for me, and I apologize. I, I said Rick Boards. I meant Tom Penders. I'm I'm, a, I'm not a morning guy, and I'm <laughs> I um, yeah I, I should I should have drank uh, some coffee or something. Uh, uh, I I wanted to ask you uh, last one for me. Uh, when you look into the eyes of the guys who were here, the Jace Febreses, Brock, uh, Andrew Jones, uh, those guys experienced some success this past year, but but didn't get the ultimate goal, didn't make a deep tourney run. Um, what were your conversations like with them? Because uh, this is a transition for them as well. And uh, they are Shaka guys and Shaka's no longer here. And uh, you're bringing a, a new brand of business. So what were your conversations like with those guys? Well, no, I, you know, I'm a big relationship guy. I think it's how you win. Uh, it's how we are able to coach guys really hard and push them to places where they maybe didn't think they could get themselves. But you can't coach hard unless you have a relationship with somebody. Um, and to me, you can't fake relationships. You know, I, so I try to listen a lot more than I talk um, as relationships are formed. You know, I learned that. I'm a father of three daughters. So obviously I'm pretty good at the listening deal because I have no <laughs> time or even platform to talk with the girls. Um <laughs> So, you know, with those guys, what I've been so impressed with from the very first conversation was, number one, the respect uh, that they showed us coming in. Um, number two, the respect that they showed Shaka. Um, you know, I love coaching players that have good things to say about their last coach, you know, and uh, these three guys were no excuse guys. Uh, they had great things to say about their experience to Texas to this point, but they were open to talking about maybe a new way moving forward. Um, also, all three of these guys are about one thing, winning. Uh, I have not had one conversation with Jace about three-point shots or Andrew about baskets or Brock about minutes to this point, but I've had many conversations with these three guys about winning. Um, I think the loyalty that they showed early to Texas uh, is important too. Um, you know, they, they didn't have to jump on board so quickly with us, but they did. And I don't want to speak for those three guys, but I think at the top of the list is a love of this city and this university and this program. And to me, that goes a long ways. Um, I'm a big dreamer and, and I'm, I'm not afraid to tell people. Uh, I, I don't go to bed at night thinking about making the second round. You know, I, I go to bed at night thinking about that final four and that big, thick blue carpet and that walk across the football coliseum to get to the court and that ball going up and 90, 100,000 people. That's what I dream about. And I, I've been really impressed with these three players because they dream about the same things. We're talking openly about it right now. Like, look, the outside world's not going to think these things are possible year one, uh, but the outside world didn't think that I was going to be the head coach of Texas a few years ago either. So let's dream big and let's back it up each day with our work ethic. So already this morning, we've had team breakfast. Uh, the guys are in the weight room right now. We're looking forward to a great day today. Um, and we're just going to continue to dream big around here, and we're not going to apologize for it. Hey, Chris, do you have time to, for a couple of quick hitters? Sure. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, if you weren't a basketball coach, what would Chris Beard be doing to make a living these days? You know, what I've always liked is the, uh, the musician life. I love Texas country music. I always thought that I would be a Pat Green or a Corey Morrow. Now, I have no musical talent. <laughs> but as I've gotten to know those guys over the years, I love those, uh, the managers. I could be like the, the road manager, the bus driver. Um, to me, those guys have the life that we have, but they never lose. You know, like 
Uh, they, they, never, they never go out there and lose a concert. They win every night. So that has always interested me. Um, if you're hosting movie night, you and your fiance, um, and, and you're charged with uh, showing two movies, what would they be? Okay, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to probably mess this up, but is it the Shawshank Redemption? Wow, everybody. Yeah. That's, that's my number one yeah. movie of all time. We love it. It's so- got everything, right? The friendship, the loyalty, overcoming adversity, teamwork, toughness, competitiveness, just a good story. I love it. Evil world. Um, and then it, this sounds a little bit, you know, cliche, but I, I really do uh, like all the sports movies, you know. Um, so I, I, I watch Hoosiers a couple times a year. Any coach that tells you they don't is lying. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kirk's, that is Kirk's favorite sports movie. I love that. I love that movie. Uh, give us something people don't know about Chris Beard. You know, I think at the end of the day, a pretty simple guy. I, I got uh, Randy, fiance, three daughters. Uh, mom and dad are still, um, you know, alive in the Dallas area. And, uh, but I, you know, I, I don't golf. I, I don't uh, have a lot of hobbies. Um, I don't watch TV, although I did watch uh, Breaking Bad during the, the COVID. Um, got a lot of respect for Walt, man. That, that dude. Well, you know, I think if we could put Brock Cunningham and Walt on the same floor. Uh, I, I don't think we would get beat. You know, we might run out of time, but we ain't getting beat. Uh, um no, just a simple guy, but I love basketball. Like, I, I didn't say I liked it. I love it. Like, I just can't – I'm addicted to the game. I just uh, – last night, leaving the facility here late night, just took one more look at the gym, looking up there at TJ Ford and LaMarcus and KD. Just, uh, you know, I just – I love this game. I, I love it. Last one for me. Um, he is the guy who knocks. I got. I need to go back and binge that. I hope there's not another pandemic, but I need to go back and binge that. Um, last one for me. Your celebrity crush. Not trying to get you in trouble, but everybody has one. You know, back in the day, I was in that generation of Alyssa Milano. You know, like uh, who's the boss? I never, never missed an edition of uh, Who's Charmed. the Boss? Charmed. Yes. Yeah, and uh, so pretty special there. And then I um. You know, on the men's side, anything Denzel, I I, I watch. Um, I just, I guess, I follow actors more than genres of movies. But mm-hmm. um, if Denzel's in something, I'm I'm in line early buying the ticket. Um, and then this Alyssa deal is, uh, it, it, it's real. Randy's not a big fan of that, but you guys asked the question. And I, <laughs> you know, I have to answer it. It's part be of real. What's your yeah. favorite Denzel movie? Are you a Training Day guy? Uh yes, for sure. Um, Man, I just uh, – I like everything he does. I like how he can just basically play any kind of character. You know, like, to me, the great ones aren't in one kind of role. Um, anything that he's in, I think I kind of buy into. You leave the theater thinking, man, that's that's real. Man, we appreciate it. Thanks for the time, Chris. And I know you need to get back to get another hour of sleep before you hit the recruiting trail. But uh, appreciate it and best wishes and much success, Chris. Appreciate you guys. See you soon. Thanks, Coach. On second thought. True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. 
Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Duck Chris Beard, always on 10 and bringing it with the Shawshank Blast. Boy, does every guest love Shawshank Redemption. You know, you would think they should show that on TV once in a while. As many people as like Shawshank. How rich are they? It's on every 20 minutes. Did it's you know, though, that it, it didn't do very well at the box office? Oh, really? It did not do very well. Uh, people didn't get it at first, and then it became it became a cult classic thanks to Ted Turner showing it all the time on TNT. I, I mean, didn't go to I didn't go to the movies to see Shawshank Redemption. Really? Uh, no. Really? No, I watched it at home, and I was I just happened. No, I actually watched it on HBO, and I was like, "This might be the best movie I've ever seen." And why didn't I go to the movies to see it? Yeah, why didn't you? Well, number one, I'm I'm not a huge Stephen King guy. And and I um and I know it was it was based on a book, Rita Hurt Hayworth's Shawshank Redemption or whatever by King. Right. Uh, I read The Stand, I read Needful Things, I read that's Christine. I read, movie, but that's my favorite movie of all time. It's, it my, it's my top ten for sure. You know, maybe top five. It's just wonderful. It never disappoints. And I like it when you you, you can watch it and See something that you didn't really notice. Didn't notice, before. yes. I know. So I love you know, that. And you so. know, kids are you know kids kids nowadays are have different tastes than us older guys. And my nephew was living with me a few years ago, and he's like twenty twenty one, twenty two years old, and we're sitting around the house, and he's bored, and he goes, "Let's, let's you want to watch a movie?" And I was like, "Yeah." I go, "I'll tell you what. There's a movie that that's coming on." That, that I want to show you. And it, it, was, it was on like HBO or somewhere that night. We watched Shawshank Redemption. And at first he was kind of like, eh, you know, Andy Dufresne, the jail scene, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, movie ends and I look over at him, tears in his eyes. <laughs> That's the greatest movie I've ever seen, Unc. I mean... It transcends generations. It should be must see viewing. It's a prison movie, so I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say sit down with your eight year old and watch it, but man, what a great movie. Yeah, it, it's terrific. Uh, that's that's one of my top ten too. Have you seen any new movies lately? We ought to do a weekly movie review. I, I wonder if you're gonna see Land with uh, Robin Wright, star of uh uh House of Cards and uh, Prince Wonder of Woman. Wonder Force Woman. Top. So, uh, but it's it's a slow moving movie. I'd be interested in your take on. on I don't that. like slow moving, and if you said slow moving and, and you're slow yourself, I'm not going to watch it. I mean, well, well what have you yeah. seen? You've been watching anything on TV? Just on TV, uh, Arbitrage. I watched uh, Arbitrage on Showtime. Richard Gere plays this this um, mogul, this money guy, this business owner. Never gets caught that. up in an affair. It was it's pretty good. Um, I've been watching more shows though, Queen Sugar, um, a couple others like that. But I haven't watched a whole lot. I, I just seen, got my second shot, so I'm going to be going to the movies right. again real soon. Have you seen uh, One Night in Miami? Or Loved Jenny? it. Loved it. Wonderful. That's see, that's not an action Wonderful. movie, but it's some people would say that's slow, but it's so deep. 
It's yeah, like a play. Yeah. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue movie. The characters involved were so powerful. Muhammad yeah. Ali, Jim Brown, uh, Sam Cook. A great uh, concept. Yeah, it was a great concept, and it really happened. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a lot of fudging going on because Jim Brown uh, insists. He goes, "Man, that movie was very, very close to exactly how yeah. things went down." So. I th- yeah, I, th- I thought it was tremendous. I did. Yeah. I loved it. I like that too. So uh, anyway, if you have any new movies you want to recommend, so I haven't seen that many. So anyway, I know we got to talk about other things. So let's have at it. Spring football game, orange, white. They don't even call it the spring jamboree anymore, Doug, because I don't know that there's going to be some, a lot of fan interaction because of what we're going through with the COVID. So, I'm thinking that they're probably just going to have, we're going to kick it off at one o'clock, give you a couple of hours, you get the clap and then you go home. We talk to the media, we go home and everybody stays safe. That's basically what I think we're going to be looking at on Saturday at DKR. I think there'll be a lot of fans that really want to be there just because of the curiosity factor. You know, how different are they going to be from Tom Herman's team? And you throw in the fact that the quarterback battle is raging and probably won't be decided till you know, late August. You know, there's a lot of intrigue uh, in this spring, uh, spring game, probably more than usual, I would say. Casey Thompson, Hudson Card. Who you got? Uh, I got Casey Thompson right now, Doug. But you know what? Who cares what we think? Here's what Steve Sarkeesian had to say about his quarterbacks in a recent interview. Well, I think Casey and Hudson both really um, really played well today. They, they really did. You know, I'm just kind of recapping it in my brain. I would say for the most part, they, they played really well. Um, but we have right now at that position, we have too many kind of negative plays um, that – you know, they take the brunt of it because, you know, when you get sacked on first down, you play second long football, that that's hard to win. So then we're trying to cut down on those plays, which I think we did from a week ago. Uh, but we're also trying to spotlight those plays to let them know even a few are not acceptable. Uh, but I thought they both used their legs well today in creating plays down the field, extending plays, finding uh, people, you know, down the field to create explosive plays for us, which was better than we did a week ago. They extended drives. Um, they scored in the red area. Uh, but, but again, you know, there, there's still a lot to do at that position, and we take a lot of pride in that position, so uh, still a lot to do. So, Ducky doesn't he, – he's not liking that they're taking these sacks. He's not liking that they're uh, – they're young, and, and, and the experience is showing right. – um, he's more about trying to get to second and five, second and four. Uh, second and 14 doesn't work in his in any kind of offense. But, yeah, I got, I got Casey right now. Who you got? Well, I think the fans are going to get behind Hudson Carr because here's a guy that everybody wanted out of Lake Travis. And, you know, he kind of had Sam Ellinger's blessing saying he was throwing spirals out of the womb. Uh, kind of the golden boy, as, as Sam would call him. But I tell you what, Casey Thompson was so impressive in that bowl game. You can't, you can't have a better performance in relief of Sam Ellinger than Casey Thompson had in San Antonio. He was poised. He was accurate. 
He was confident, and he was throwing things in a rhythm and on time. Uh, I, you know, just from what I saw, and we haven't hardly seen anything of Hudson Card. You know, to me, it would be Casey Thompson's job to lose. I think so, and I, and you know, and I, even if you, Sam's blessing, whatever, you know, that's fine. But it's not like it's not Vy's blessing. Let's not get it twisted. Uh, no, I think. And and that golden boy thing is played out. I, I think they want the best quarterback. Absolutely. And, uh, we watched them both in that bowl game. It's very small sample size. Uh, Colorado was ready to get on the plane to get back to the house. Um, Casey looked like a guy who's ready to be a starting quarterback for a college football team to me. And maybe, Hudson, and maybe Hudson's just as good. I don't know. We don't get to watch him duck. Right. I, right. I only have the tape I've seen of Hudson and and uh, watching him in a playoff game. So um, I'm not I'm not privy to how he's developed in the months since. So I, I think that uh, we know that Casey's the more experienced guy. He's he's been in he's been in a college a locker room in a college meeting room longer. But uh, I, I think. I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do on Saturday when the live bullets are flying. Also, Duck, it'll be interesting to see uh, if Sark allows them to be in live drills, how much he allows them to really feel that fire. I know he's not allowing them to be hit, but how close are you going to allow those defenders to get to them? Well, he's been on record as saying he likes one-on-one in practice, so he likes to see them – uh, go mano a mano and and see who are the best men for the job. So it'll be interesting too if you know. I wonder if there's always a part of a new coaching staff to say let's let them win it on the field. You know, I know we got to start one quarterback uh, when the uh, kickoff uh, happens, but I wonder if they're looking at it like, you know, hey, let's see, let's play them both. You know, first game now they don't have a whole lot of time. You know, they get Lafayette right out of the box and won. I know they won 10 games last year. And then you got a trip to Fayetteville for Arkansas, which is much improved. So you're saying uh, play them both in the first game. I wonder if they would. I wonder, I mean, we have, I hope seen not. It, I hope but, not. Uh, I hate that. I just, and neither one had started a college game. We got to keep that in mind. So when the bullets are flying, you want to see who measures up. So I think he's going to run that even. I think he's going to ramp it up in August. I don't think this. I don't think anything that happens Saturday is going to is going to move a huge needle because no, it's a practice. Saturday. It's no, just a Saturday. glorified practice. Sure. I think he's going to ramp it up in August, and and uh, there's going to be some real bullets flying in August, and he's going to allow them to get in there and 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 see and smell it, and maybe even get hit a little bit and fi- and figure out what's going to happen. Uh, right. in September. So I, I'm, I, I'm interested just to see them this weekend uh, because we haven't, but I, but I don't know how big one day in the spring is going to be in his evaluation process. Yeah, I would say I would agree with that. Uh, well, tell me besides the quarterback battle, what position group would you be watching, you know, most closely uh, on Saturday? I want to see what these receivers are bringing to the table. Um, you know, we've been getting raves about Jordan Whittington. He, we spoke with him on Tuesday, and we're getting raves about him. And um, who else did they mention, Duck, uh, at the receiving core? Well, 
you know, uh, Marcus Washington and Josh Moore are both back, and they've played a lot. Avante Woodard, and then Troy Amiri, the guy who had That's the knee. That's the name that keeps coming up. He the keeps guy with coming the knee. up, and uh, that was a big loss that they had uh, last year because, you know, I was looking at the, the pass receiving numbers. I mean, nobody had more than 30 catches last year. Josh Moore had I exactly I don't. That doesn't do it for me. I mean, oh, I, I like spreading it around, but I, I'd rather have one guy with 75 or 80, like a, like a Jordan Shipley, you know, where I know I got, the, where I know I have that alpha dog at wide out. Um, receiver by committee is not going to win games in college football. Not the way, not the way it's constructed nowadays. So hopefully I mean, one of these guys will step up and become a volume catcher of the ball. You mean you'd rather have like a, a Devontae Smith or a, a Waddle? Would you like rather have like two of those or Jamar Chase at LSU or Justin Jefferson? Uh, Isn't it? But do you hear what you're saying right now? Isn't it want, weird that you're talking as a someone who's covered the wide open Big Twelve for many many years? that you went out and you just rattled off four SEC receivers. My has, has the tide turned in offensive football the way we see it. The SEC is no longer ground and pound. They're throwing it around now, and they have the Big 12 to thank for that. They Remember do. when they used to laugh at the Big 12? Ooh, always. For, 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 for the circus scores? Now you're getting those 37, 35 games in the SEC because – the way the defenses are constructed and the way the game is called now and the way offenses are rewarded, it's the only way you can win. Even though defense is going to show up in a championship run like it did last season, uh, but at the end of the day, it's an offensive game, and the Big 12 was there a decade, decade well before the SEC. And the SEC has Nick Saban to thank for it because he embraced He embraced it. And the, and the man had or did not, and it and it led to him losing his job along with Cam Cameron. And then Ed Orgeron embraced it as well. And then you know you look at uh, Georgia, you know, and and previously it'd be like a Florida, you know, Spurrier had the the fun and gun, but by and large, you know, it was the lesser or second tier teams, the the Alabamas and the LSU's and the Georgias. They'd just pound that rock and they'd play hellacious defense, but and, you're right. And now that's why Alabama's already has been a monster, but they really created a monster now because it can be great on both sides of the ball. And let's give a little bit of credit to the Texas A&M Aggies. When Johnny Manziel went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, that got Nick Saban's attention. Hell yeah. And after that, Nick Saban's like, maybe we need to throw it around a little bit more because – they just came and got us this ex Big Twelve team. So I think, the, I think the Aggies had a lot to do with with helping change change some of the offensive philosophies in that ground and pound conference. I don't know if I'd give the Aggies credit. I'd give the Big Twelve credit. I think. And how about Ole Miss? Ole Miss almost knocked off Alabama last year. They put up big numbers. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's it's a different breed. And and Texas has a coach who was there on the scene in Tuscaloosa when, you know, they were, you know, expanding their offense beyond. I mean, I mean, who would have thought, you know, Alabama has been churning out one great wide receiver after another, whether it's Devontae Smith or Julio. I mean, just go on down the list. And I don't know, is there a better 
program right now turning out wide receivers in Alabama? Mm-mm. No. I don't think so. I, I'm, so. I'm drawing a blank. Who's the Cowboys receiver? Um, Dak, I can't remember. It's always hurt. What was his name? Um, I'm, I'm so bad at that. But, yeah, um, I think the um, – I think the Crimson Tide started out with Julio Jones. Um, they're they're running things. Um, Calvin Ridley, you know. I mean, well, I forgot about him. So oh yeah, God, they just said turn them out, and they got two that'll go into this year's draft. So it's it's amazing. They're not just getting D linemen and linebackers anymore. And then you look at Najee Harris. You know, he was a God. I don't know if there was a better college football player in the nation. Then Najee Harris during the uh, during the playoffs, and he just tore it up. And that's why I think Texas fans are so excited about Bijan Robinson. That maybe they have a guy like can tote the rock, like Deontay Foreman or Ricky Williams, somebody like that. Because Bijan Robinson, he looks like the real deal, and we saw him just explode on the scene the last two games. You know, against Kansas State and Colorado. He had he he just he just had a he closed out the year in a flourish and it was a crazy just a just a crazy confluence of events. Ten carries for 183 yards against Colorado and 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 you're looking you're looking at him and you're going, he's fresh. I mean, he didn't even didn't even look like he was trying that hard. And so I don't think they're gonna pound him this year, Duck. Because they have Roshan Johnson, but you got to think he's getting 20 carries a game, right? Last year, he had never had more than 16 last year. And I thought that was just really one of Tom Herman's undoing. You know, that was one of his failures that you maximize the talent that you have. And he had like three games where he had five carries or fewer. I mean, come on. I was looking up Alabama stats. And, uh, you know, Brian, uh, Bijan led them with 703 yards. Uh, but Brian Robinson for, uh, the backup for Alabama, he had 483 yards and you look at Najee Harris and they had extra games in the playoff, obviously carried the ball 251 times for 1,466 yards. Oh my. And he caught the ball 43 times. So I think that's the way they'll use Bijan Robinson. I think they will, you know, split him out. They'll throw to him out of the backfield. And I'll be shocked right now if he doesn't average 20 carries a game. Uh, Mari Cooper, stupid. I can't believe I didn't remember that. He hurt me. He's always hurt. You always had him on your fantasy team. Yeah, I I think I tried to block him out. (laughs) So you think, do you think, you don't think Bijan Robinson's going to get 250 carries in 12 games? You don't see that. No, not that many. But uh, I, I, if he doesn't. over 20 a game. If he doesn't average 16 to 20, I'll be surprised. You got to use your strength. And as good as Roshan is, I don't think he's in Bijan's class. Do you? No, he's not. And, uh, but he's, but he's a really good physical runner and he takes care of the ball. So I don't, I think, I think that Roshan's going to get his eight to 10 and uh, they got the closer. Daniel Young is back and we'll see, we'll see if he's a factor. Um, you asked B. John Robinson, a really interesting question. Uh, had a little bit of hype to it, which I like, <laughs> uh, but, but just check out what you ask him. 
Yeah, but John, uh, I was curious how much bigger you are than maybe you were last season. And is the Heisman Trophy a realistic goal for you next year? Um, well, you know, I, I kind of stayed the same uh, weight-wise, uh, you know, around that 2 218, uh, 219 uh, stature. But, uh, you know, I really don't – I know there's a lot of hype around, you know, Heisman Trophy, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, I, I don't really pay attention to that stuff because, you know, if you start paying attention, then you start getting the big head and, and you won't work as hard. So, you know, me, me and the coaches talk all the time just – you know, keep keep staying focused. You know, you know, God's blessed you, but it, you know, we, I'm still a young player, and I and I got so much to work on, and I'm just trying to, you know, be developing, you know, at the, at the right pace, at the right speed, and you know, I just I just got to keep keep trying to trying to be the best that I can, and you know, th- those things are down the line, so you know, we focus on the on the now and, and today. Not going there on the Heisman. Uh... <laughs> He's a sophomore. Okay, I get it. I get well, it. Hey, sophomores win the Heisman now. Well, freshman Johnny Manziel won exactly. as a freshman. But uh, but here's the thing: why he's got a chance because there's going to be a lot of eyes on Texas this year. You know, Sarkeesian's first uh, head coaching job since uh, he was at Alabama and since he was at Washington USC, and they got a quarterback battle going on. But there's a lot of interest and intrigue with Texas right now. And the other thing. Boy, this is a quarterback draft, as you know. So all these stud quarterbacks were either seniors or they left early and in the draft. And you got a guy like Kyle Pitts, who I just love. I would love to see him with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a he's a wide receiver in a tight end's body. So a lot of the Heisman candidates have left the building. So there's an opening there. So Bajan started strong. And he is at Texas, and it should be easier to win a Heisman at Texas than than, than a lot of schools. So I but think, it's, but it's a quarterbacks been, award. It's a quarterbacks award, and it, what has not, not a lot of them left. Yeah, a lot of them left, but someone else is gonna step right in. Well, Spencer Rattler, forget about him. I think he he'll be in that mix as well. He's my, he's, he's probably my favorite looking at it, the way he's he finished up. My favorite. Yeah, I would agree with that. So any other, you know, the thing is I, I look for, you know, they're very thin at linebacker. I would think developing some depth at linebacker overshone has been out with an injury. And then the offensive line, they just don't have enough offensive linemen. They started uh, three freshmen in the Alamo bowl game and, you know, Derek Kerstetter had that horrific ankle injury. He's, trying to come back, but it's by and large going to be a pretty new offensive line. There's no set guy like Sam Cosme at left tackle. So uh, I think O-line and linebacker would be the ones that intrigue me the most this Saturday. On Second Thought. True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan, and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. We've got a lot of respect for, for Nebraska. They're one of the premier programs in the country, and uh, to play here and win on their floor is uh, always special. Um, I thought our team just kind of kept battling. It wasn't a smooth night for us. 
think there were some, some really good parts to it, um, but we just kind of kept at it. We missed a lot of serves in game two, but uh, you know, in order to be successful in this game, uh, with the way that Sivrins and their middles play, you, you've got to keep them off the net, and we were able to do that and uh, stuck with it and uh, kept believing and, and found a way to win. So, Duck, Jared Elliott... The man of the hour. Exult, exultant after, after a big win over Nebraska to get Texas into the final four for the first time since 2016. The one thing I, I uh, notice about volleyball, they always they, – they go through great pains when they're announcing it to not say the final four. <laughs> they call it the national semifinals. Let's keep it real. It's the final four. Exactly. Final four. And it's sexy. And it is sexy and glamorous. Yeah, and uh, exactly. I think I think it's a um I th- I think, you know, you said it. Jared didn't know that he'd make it back. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a minute. And and now they're back after back to back losses in the finals. Um, when they were last there. I love what I see from this team and, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pose here. I don't watch a lot of volleyball duck. I'm, I'm one of those guys who I'll tune in during the season a couple of times. And then when the playoffs start, if they're on TV, I'm going to watch them. If they're at home, I'll go watch them. You're mostly a soccer guy. I'm, I'm mostly not a soccer guy. So <laughs> Scott Fields, Logan Eggleston, Breon Taylor, Breon Butler. Three big girls, very physical, and they just and they just out physical those two teams that they beat to get to the final four. Uh, I'll say that the thirty to twenty eight win over over Penn State in the third set of the regional semi was one of the, was one of the best sets of volleyball I've ever seen. It was great, just very entertaining. They're playing at such a high level. And they're tested. And I think it, you know, when they play Wisconsin on Thursday night, uh, I think it'll help them that they, they kind of ran the gauntlet through Penn State, you know, one of those blue blood volleyball programs. And then Nebraska, which eliminated Texas in the finals in 2015 uh, and had Alex, Alexi's son, the, the Texas transfer, who was here for, oh, about 20 minutes. Uh, Barely knew Lexi's son. Oh, wow. I'm glad you brought her up, Duck. Exactly. But I think I think just getting past uh, Penn State and Nebraska really stokes their confidence. And you're playing the number one seed in Wisconsin, undefeated. Went to five sets against Florida. The only time they played in five sets all year long. So it's it's riveting stuff. And uh, and like you said, they've got some a powerful front line. And they can be dominant and just go on these runs and intimidate other teams, quite frankly, because they're strong up front. Eggleston and Fields, 18 kills each. Yeah. Oh, about Asia O'Neill? I didn't even bring her up. That's Jermaine yeah. O'Neill's kid. Uh, she had seven blocks and 10 kills. And started strong. Boy, yeah. She's really good early. And the setters, Jenna Gabriel, um, very, very solid on the back. And I just – I just think if they're on their game, and I watched a little bit of the Wisconsin-Florida, the physicality of the Texas Longhorns, if they're on their game and they're playing like that, I don't see anyone beating them. The one thing that I would worry about is they've had a lot of service errors. 
They do. In, the, in that game, uh, they go for it, and I understand that. I'd rather miss long than short. But, man, if they're playing that kind of physical brand of ball on both and they're so improved defensively, I just don't see anyone beating them. Uh, they got great depth. I mean, look at Logan Eggleston, the Big 12 Player of the Year. She's who the best. National Player of the Year. She had five service aces, you know, against Nebraska. And so, I mean, they can do it all. They don't really have that that one weakness. The back isn't as strong as the front. But then, you know, there's Molly Phillips in the front, too. And you know that they've got one senior. I mean, Morgan O'Brien, Libero, is the only senior. She's a grad transfer. And she's the only one who had been to a Final Four uh, before this team uh, cleansed its bid. That wasn't at Texas. So, I, I just I love where this team sits right now, and you know, really should take our hats off to uh, Texas volleyball and Jared Elliott and his staff. And Texas is just killing it in sports that are not football and men's basketball. And I know people laugh about that, but the women went to the Elite Eight. The volleyball's in the Final Four. Eddie Reese won his fifteenth national championship. You know, golf and tennis is right there. Uh, on the cusp of, of contending for national championships, uh, softball, as long as they don't have to play Oklahoma. Oh, my God. Damn good. We're not going to talk about that. But, uh, I mean, they really got it going in all the spring sports and winter sports. So it's just very impressive. And I think we got to tip our hat to them. What about that baseball team, Duck? Still winning. Still as, winning. As of this taping, the winning streak was still is still intact. Um, they get Oklahoma State on the road this weekend and uh, easily David Pierce's most offensive team, his best team. By far. Uh, Ty Madden reaching 99 on the gun. I mean, a lot of good things are happening over there. And um, I, I, need, I, I can't wait to get out there to see them. Um, what do you think is the upside of Texas baseball? Here we are in late April. Do you think – well, we know if he made it to the College World Series that they, with that one team. This team is, is far better than the team he took to Omaha, yeah. Duck. No question. Far better, deeper, uh, more selective, um, some big boppers like the Hispanic Titanic, Ivan Melendez. Uh, I I just I just like the depth. I like the experience, and I kind of like the swag that they're playing with right now. Oh, I echo all of that. And the thing that jumps at me is their balance. They got a great offense. The offense can start anywhere in the lineup, like you said, Melendez with homers in six straight games. Cam Williams with eight home runs. Zach Zubia is not just a power hitter hitting for average. He's drawing walks. Walks. He's drawing walks. I mean, Trey Faltini, one of the best shortstops in the nation. You know, Eric Kennedy. Just going down the list, Mike Antico is, is rounding in the form, the transfer from St. John's. And so, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a deep team. It's a balanced team. They have Ty Madden at the top, and I don't think they have anybody close to a Ty Madden uh, I love Tanner Witt, the freshman out of the bullpen. And, but Tristan Stevens has impressed me. His last three games said 21 innings, zero walks. So he, and that's, your three, and that's your number three guy. Well, number two guy. That's your yeah. number two guy. 
Jacoby Kubitschek is number three. Then I you watched got, him. I then watched you got him. Pete Hansen, who's their kind of their wild card, can play uh, pitch long relief or spot starter. And in the playoffs, he might be the number two or the number three starter. So, no, you're dead on right. And I think, you know, and I don't worry so much about, you know, some people might say, well, are they peaking too soon? Well, they're playing their best baseball. But the thing is, it doesn't look like a team that's going to be susceptible. I know Coach Gus always told me he always wanted uh, three guys that are on fire in your lineup, three guys that are really kind of coming on, and three kind of maybe, okay, they're going into a slump. If if you can have six guys kind of on top of their game that you can do some damage. And I'm like you. Even though they're getting into the meat of their schedule, starting with Oklahoma State this weekend, they – they really got what it takes, I think. And so I, I'm really impressed with David Pierce's uh, team and think they can make some damage in May and June. I, I, lo- I love what Augie always said. You want four starting pitchers for a tournament yeah. situation. Sure. Four guys. Because I remember in 04, Doug, they were so deep. They had such a deep pitching staff in 04. Um, that, you know, and that, that team was probably deeper than the 05 team that won it all. Yeah. Because that team had J.P. Howell on it, and it had Sam. Um, I mean, I had uh, Houston Street and J. Brent Cox, both in the bullpen. And so um, they had a guy named Clayton Stewart who had a 1.47 ERA on that team. Mm-hmm. And Clayton Stewart was nails the whole year. But they were so deep at pitcher, Duck, Randy Boone, guys like that. Uh, young Kyle McCulloch, that Clayton Stewart didn't even get the pitch in Omaha. And they got to the finals. Hey, I can, never got I can, the pitch. I can top you on that. Shane Reynolds mm-hmm. for the Houston Astros. The one year he was here, he was 7-0 and oh, and got left off the playoff roster. That is crazy. They went to Omaha. He wasn't even on there. And then – the 1983 team, the last of uh, Gus's two national championships, you know, loaded Clement Chiraldi going down the list. Mike Capel was their number four, and th- they were just streaking through Omaha. Nobody could touch him. Mike Capel begged to pitch. It was one of those games where they really didn't need to win because it was a double elimination. And uh, so Mike Capel begged to pitch against Michigan, which only had Chris Sabo and Barry Larkin on them, and he four hits them. You know, this is a guy just begging to pitch. So it doesn't have that kind of depth on this one, but it's they've got a lot of pitchers that can perform at a high level, and I think they're only getting better uh, as the season goes along. On second thought. Well, Duck, jam-packed podcast this week. Was there any sport we didn't hit? We hit them. We tried to hit them all. We tried to hit them all. And if we missed you, we're going to try again next week to pick you up because that's what we do on On Second Thought. We're here for you. We're here for you. Big spring football game coming up on Saturday. We're going to be there to hit it on hookup.com post game. For now, that will do it for episode 218. We got to thank Chris Beard for joining us. For the Ducks, Kirk Bowles, I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. 
Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.